Hi! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show Podcast. Just one segment today. We're going to spend our time with Derek Taylor, the voice of the Bombers, as we take a look ahead to the Bombers game in Hamilton on Saturday. If Taylor Cornelius deserved a two-year extension from the Elks and, well, are the Lions toast? Or will Vernon Adams save the day? That's coming up on the podcast. friend Derek Taylor who is the voice of the Bombers on CGOB. Derek, how are preparations going for the Hamilton Tiger Cats for you, the play-by-play man? Uh, they're going okay. I'm just in the uh, bye week, so I haven't seen them uh, play in a week, speaking of the Tiger Cats. So just reviewing all the games for this past week to make sure all the numbers are up to, to speed so I can tell you that Dane Evans does this and Dylan Wynn does that and their coverage on the field side is this. Uh, it's a uh, it's going to be a long night, brother. A long, long night. That's okay. You love what you do. Uh, Dane Evans <laughs> is uh, maybe going to be back in the the lineup. Did not play in the Labor Day game. They had a bye week, as you mentioned. Told the media in Hamilton yesterday that he's feeling great. And uh, I think it's better for Hamilton if he plays, judging by what we saw with their quarterbacks in the Labor Day game. But I know you're not a big Dane Evans guy. Does it matter who Hamilton starts at quarterback on Saturday? Oh, I think it does. I mean, last week it was Jamie New- Newman and uh, Jalen Morton, and it was it was shades of the David Watford game last year where it, we're we're going to run the ball like we can't we don't particularly trust or believe or whatever it is that this particular quarterback can throw the ball real well. With Dane, they could sling the ball 30, 40, 50 times if if they feel comfortable with that, and that's. That seems to be kind of their their norm with Dane is that, hey, we're going to give the running backs three carries between them and the rest. We're going to do cool things with Tim White and we're going to throw the ball a ton. So I think it changes everything for them. If it changes it for the better is a different conversation. Well, he has a tendency to throw it a lot, but also to the wrong team. He really, really does have a thing where he's throwing it to the wrong team and Early in the season, and we saw some of it in the game against the Bombers, he fumbled a ton early this mm-hmm. season. Uh, I want to say there were, in the first three games, he had seven, and they lost six of them. And you go, you can't – whatever you can do as a quarterback, um, I honestly don't care what you can do. If you turn the ball over that much, there's no chance that you are you are remotely viable. So stop doing that part, and then we can see if the rest is good. But yeah, he had seven ter- seven fumbles in. Uh, pardon me, in the first, he had six in the first four weeks. So not to, not quite as bad as I thought, but still, still quite way bad. too many. He's had a couple it's of bad. dagger fumbles deep in his own end. There was that ha- uh, game against Edmonton where they're winning. He fumbles the ball, returned for a touchdown, and they lose the game just like that. And it's been a problem for him. It's been a fall, far fall from the team we saw in the Grey Cup. The last couple of years, three and nine, they've had injuries for sure. But for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this season, we've seen them play close games against teams that we would think they would absolutely run out of the building. Are you sensing after the Labor Day Banjo Bull double dip that maybe there could be a, a bit of a letdown here for the Bombers? Well, you're you're right, right? Like the first two games against Ottawa, turns out Ottawa isn't a real good team and those were close. Hamilton, the the Bombers didn't, you know, beat them into the dirt in in week number three. And, you you know, upon reflection, you'd think, oh, wait a minute, shouldn't shouldn't that have happened that way? Uh, There there absolutely is. For whatever reason, it does feel a little bit up and down. Ultimately, 
I don't see what I don't see Hamilton doing enough on offense to take out the Bombers, but you, you certainly hope that uh, you know they took a, they took the an undermanned team and an under under uh, I'm trying to think of how to how to describe Saskatchewan last week an, an under healthy team to the absolute woodshed last week. You'd hope that there is the potential to repeat that, but honestly, Hamilton's defense now that they get healthy. That they have the potential to be quite stout and be a challenge for uh, for an offense because uh, they've got some dudes who can cover and they certainly have an offensive or a defensive line, including Winnipeg's finest Mason Bennett that can get after the quarterback. Speaking of dudes who could cover, how does Brandon Alexander look? Uh, he looks good. Um, everything is watching him going, okay, well, when he plants his left leg, how's it going to go? And you're just wondering about every little bit i, I feel like a, a, a nervous father watching watching a guy i don't even know brandon alexander but i feel like a nervous dad going oh man people are so excited to have him back let nothing go wrong he's been at safety the last couple of days at practice everything looks good we talked to him yesterday you had some uh audio from him yesterday he sounds like he's man he just so excited to get the chance to play again um i certainly hope it's this week noah hallett's coming off a similar injury and he got hurt immediately you know Almost immediately in that game, immediately being the first game back, you just it can't can't have the same with Brandon Alexander because he is just the way all the guys talk about him. You hear just how important Alexander is uh, to that team, to the psyche of that team, and to uh, to each of his teammates' well-being and well-performance. Both Alexander and Mike O'Shea have made points multiple times this week because they've been asked, hey, it's good that he's coming back because Nick Taylor's hurt. They've made it clear they're not they're never going to rush anyone back for any reason. And when you're 12 and one, you absolutely have no incentive to rush someone back from injury. They're going to wait till he's absolutely ready to to go, whether that's this week or not. We know Michael Couture has been a full participant at practice for a few weeks now, hasn't played yet. Do you get the sense that he's maybe closer to returning? I would. Oh, that's good. Couture has been the sixth offensive lineman at practice this week, which uh, we hadn't really seen before. And it made me, makes me wonder, okay, well, what's going to happen at day three tomorrow, the close practice? And then where will they go from there? Couture, he's still got the big soft cast on his left arm, and he's he's getting more and more used to it. They're allowing him to do more and more things. I feel like if I had to guess, uh, I, we are strictly guessing, I would feel like Alexander is closer because he's been running with the first team, whereas uh, Couture essentially has, and it's still been Chris Kolinkowski at center. Uh, but Couture is is getting right there. I have to. I was running it earlier to see when his time on the, the second six-game stint would be up and how much that may have to do with, with when he returns. Mm, right, cap purposes, because... That's what the sixth game is all about. It's all about the caps. So that is the the, the part of the decision-making process. It's not always when a guy's ready, but to, you know, Nick Dembski comes off before the sixth game injured uh, thing is up. So that has a cap impact. But for Couture, yeah. if you're happy with the way Chris Kolonkowski is playing, well, then there's, again, no rush to bring him back. Well, let, let me correct myself. Couture actually went to the one game this past okay. week. So he, he can come off at any time. I don't want to leave anybody with bad information. Okay. But yeah, he's been on the one game a couple of times. So yeah, no, he's... Whenever, which, I mean, they take that stuff seriously, right? So when they, when they put them on the one game, they feel like it's much, it's going to be much less than six games mm-hmm. that he comes back. But is that this week or is that the other side of the bye? Uh, I guess we'll know. But I mean, a stint as the sixth offensive lineman might be the way to do that. 
And the reality is, as you mentioned, the buy is coming up. It, that's a whole other week to let guys be recovered. It's, it's another game against the Riders. You should be able to beat Hamilton either way. I know that's that's not how they would ever outwardly express it. Say, ah, Hamilton's nothing. We can let these guys sit. They're, when guys are ready to play, they're going to play. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, there's you don't get the sense that, like you said, they're not going to rush anybody back. And I don't really get the sense that they're going to hold anybody out any longer than they need to. O'Shea likes to say, when the trainer tells me they're ready, when the doctors tell me they're ready, they're ready and they're ready to go. So yeah, if if either of those guys is ready to play this week, then uh, I would wager we see them in in Hamilton, even though in in my in my in my Madden team I'd be like you know what I'm just gonna hold it for a couple of long a couple weeks longer because as you say uh, they're almost guaranteed to finish in first in the West just with the way things will break down from here and having the season series with Calgary who may well get past BC in the standings uh, I I would be quite conservative but then I don't have to answer any large players questions about hey why am I not playing this week. Let's take a look around the rest of the CFL. Edmonton signing Taylor Cornelius to a two-year extension today. Edmonton in Saskatchewan Friday night, one of just three games in the CFL this week. You tweeted out, wow, to that signing. Explain why. Uh, Over uh, over the past two seasons, uh, Taylor Cornelius has kind of come into the CFL, and you're like, here's a big-body dude with a very strong arm and unusual mobility for a guy who's six foot five. And he seems to have a great demeanor for football. Like, oh, it's going, it's a disaster. All right, well, I'm going to get back up and focus on, on the next play. He seems to have a lot of things that a coach would like. But the one thing I can't get past is that he is the least or second least accurate passer in the CFL. And for me, everything in quarterbacking starts and ends with, are you an accurate passer? And over two seasons, Cornelius is not. And it's not like they haven't had good receivers to, to play with there in Edmonton over that time. He just, uh, if folks remember the Edmonton game against the Bombers, Caleb Holly zipping up the seam, had a sure touchdown. Cornelius hangs it two yards behind him, broken up, incomplete, no touchdown to be had. That to me is kind of the, or even, uh, the, even the preseason game. If folks remember him in his first, I think it was his first three passes in the preseason game. Uh, wildly inaccurate on the first one makes the receiver jump on like a hitch screen or a hitch for a second one where he gets undercut and exploded uh, by the defensive back. And you go, it's a reception, but the guy got killed. So is it really that great? And the third one was an absolute dive on the roll to the right. And you're like, oh my goodness, that's just the whole Cornelius experience. I just don't see how, how his accuracy problems are fixable. And they're, if if you're going to be, you know, 10 points worse accuracy versus expected based on your throws. If you are that inaccurate, and that's an enormous number, I, I don't know how that gets fixed. So when you when I saw that today and I go, he signed through 2024, and I haven't seen any, I don't know if you've seen any terms of the contract, but there is the potential to guarantee him money in the second year of that deal. If you did that, I feel like it's another coach who has been lulled by the siren song of big, mobile, strong quarterback and and not focusing on the part where if you can't throw the ball accurately, you can't win and you can't survive in this league. To BC, where they're looking for a quarterback now, Antonio Pipkin 
is clearly not the guy. There's a reason why he's not been able to make it as a starter in the CFL because, well, we've seen him the last couple of weeks. It's not really there for him. Vernon Adams Jr. expect him to go this weekend in uh, their big game in Calgary? I, I think you have to. I think you just have to, however ready Vernon is, and he got a couple of snaps in last week's game, I think you have to. It, it's it's time because uh, you need to have it as refined as possible. If you want to host a playoff game, you're, you're going to have to take one of the ones coming up against the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, both would be great, but uh, one of them for sure. And you just need to be ready for, you know, the West semifinal, the West final. So the more reps, the better. I think you're right. Antonio Pipkin is one of those guys, when I first saw him in Montreal, I had this I had this strange affection for him. Like, man, I think this guy might be okay. This is, might be really good. And it is, and I, even with his sub 60% completion percentage, I was still, you know what? I, think, I still think there's something there. And he's another one of those guys whose tools might lull you a little bit of, wow, look at him move. He's really, he can really get around in the pocket and he can add in the run game, but he can't, I mean, another guy with accuracy troubles in the Canadian football league. And when you're throwing, you know, 70% of the time, you have to be good at that part of it and you can't survive without it. So, to me, yeah, it's got to be Vernon ASAP and get him in there, see what you can do with him in the scrambles and in the design run game, team him up with James Butler in that effect. I know that's the design run game isn't his strength. He is more of a scrambler, but get those guys used to him because if it if it clicks, if Vernon, you know, I've not, I've not been the biggest Vernon guy, but if it clicks and he plays his best football, BC could be a problem because that's a, as we saw, that's a talented roster. Because as we stand today, if if they don't have a quarterback, it's Winnipeg, it's Calgary, and that's it, right? In terms of <laughs> teams that we think at the moment on September 14th can win the Grey Cup? Well, yeah, barring the Argos doing a 2017 where they finish with the fifth best record in the league, but pull two 100-yard touchdowns out of thin air in the Grey Cup and win it that way. Now, I'm with you. It's, it's, it's absolutely uh, Winnipeg, Calgary, and then everybody else. Well, Derek, appreciate your time as always. We'll let you get back to the homework, a late night for you, and we'll uh, look forward to the call on Saturday. Thanks, brother. Derek Taylor, voice of the Bombers, joining us on CJOB. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage anyway. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, 